0: This episode of the Power Connect podcast is brought to you by EV Charging Summit Nexpo, North America's largest EV charging summit. To learn more about the event, go to EVChargingSummit.com.
1: Somehow I asked a question What will you do when you have a lot of Tesla vehicles in your grid? Like, how are you going to manage it? And they, they said, Well, we, had, we don't have a problem. We just have one Tesla vehicle right now. And that was like eight years ago. So, <laughs> so it's like, Well, what, what if? Like, what, what, will you, what will you do in case you have like hundreds of them? Well, we just will turn them off, like similar to how we operate heat pumps. If if there's too much going on, we just turn off the heat pumps, and yeah, then that, that's how we will manage the grid. I will go, was going through this in my process, but like, you can't just turn off an EV charger. Like, people need to go to work, they, they need to go to the airport, their fleet's behind it. And that was a point where I actually said something is going on. <laughs>
0: Welcome into the Power Connect Podcast. I'm your host, Fred Davis. Episode 60 of the show rolling along on this wonderful March Daylight Savings. It's still dark depending upon you know where you're at uh, here in the morning. It's still dark, but hey, that's what Daylight Savings does. I know we've got a lot of issues, but can we get rid of it? That's all I got. I don't know how that's affecting clean energy. I don't know what that's doing in the the grand scheme of the world, but it just seems... Unnecessary. All right, that rant's over. Look, glad to have you guys on board. We got a great show today. Joaquim Losi, CEO of Amp Control, joining the program today. We continue our EV charging Summit Expo series. We're just a handful of weeks away from the big event going down in Las Vegas, March 29th through the 31st over at the Mirage. I'm looking forward to it. You may or may not see me there. No chances are if you are there, you will see me there. Uh, I'll be hosting and emceeing on day one. Very excited about that. And then, of course, on day two. Friday, pre-conference is Wednesday, day one of the conference is Thursday, day two Friday, and of course, Meryl Morse, who I had the wonderful opportunity to speak with, and her uh, podcast you'll hear here in a a week or so, just laying out all the work that's gone into this event, Uh, 120 plus speakers, nine different tracks agendas out the wazoo and I mean that in a positive way just all the things are going to be covered in this all things EV charging you are going to get the full kit and caboodle of it so speaking of kit and caboodle amp control they are facilitating fleet charging as a service they help fleet owners manage and optimize their electric vehicle charging infrastructure and operations So, so exactly you know what does that mean well Joaquin will explain that he's got an absolutely fascinating story now he's not unfortunately he will not be speaking at the event him and his team over there shout out to our girl hannah for helping facilitate this interview with mr joaquin so they're gonna have an exhibit over at the ev charging summit and uh like i said i'm excited to be a part of it but from joaquin's standpoint just a incredible story you know from germany had a good gig and it was because of his brother. Now, obviously, I mean, he already had ideas of things he wanted to do, but a, a, a subtle nudge from his twin brother put him on this trajectory that he's on today. And again, for anybody that's a you know, entrepreneur, wanna be entrepreneur, whatever side of the line you fall on, you're definitely gonna wanna hear what Joaquim has to say. And then of course, uh, you know, the fact that amp control looks so much different now than what it did when he started this group five plus years ago. So looking forward to hearing from him one more time. If you want to know about what the EV charging summit is, it's a must attend event for all things EV charging. The summit provides educational sessions focused on financing, infrastructure, operability, and ROI for EV charging. The expansive expo hall showcases real solutions, cost savings, and technological advances to infrastructure for all commercial and government organizations so go to evchargingsummit.com, that's evchargingsummit.com if you would like to participate and or find out more about it and then of course uh if you haven't bought your ticket yet enter the promo code evcs 2023 for 50 percent off at the event and they are taking that all the way up until the day of after we get done with mr joaquin don't forget we still got a lot of folks to talk to before this thing wraps up and we do the the the, the live event, we've got Josh Av from Spark Charge. We've got Mr. Daniel Siegel from Simon. We've got Andreas Lipps, CEO of Shell Recharge, and then of course we're also going to talk to one Miss Meryl Morse. And then of course uh, my man, Mr. John Duran, uh, who we will you will hear from on Thursday. So a lot of good stuff going on. And of course, don't forget the actual podcast itself. Uh, we're gonna have a little rebranding going on in April after we wrap up the EV Charging Summit series. So stay tuned for all that a lot of good stuff happening so let's get down to it Mr. Joaquin Losey CEO amp control fascinating story if you like the 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 mission and what they're doing over at amp control you're going to be even more fascinated by just how good of a human being and just the track that Mr. Joaquin Losey as a human is on along with the things he's doing over at amp control so without further ado please welcome to the program Mr. Joaquin Losey
1: interesting story certainly when i when i was in engineering classes bachelor master i i never thought about electric vehicles and never thought about i'm gonna do anything with electric vehicle chargers to be honest i grew up in germany so we all we are super automotive country like everything is about daimler bmw volkswagen we love engines um and and thermodynamics so i learned a lot about that and learned actually quite little about Uh, electric engines outside of let's say manufacturing plants but when i graduated i started working for a consulting company and somehow don't ask me why i landed into only projects for energy companies i the entire time i worked actually in consulting i worked for energy suppliers energy utilities on like power grids uh, gas grids and water grids and that was my my initial starting point actually in the energy market and that was after I graduated, so actually quite late um, after I started engineering. But then I spent like more my time, like Monday to Thursday, inside the offices of energy companies. So I really saw how they were working, what they're doing, what's the purpose. And they're really important, right? They they are operating the grid. Uh, they have a lot of responsibility, but they're obviously not the innovators necessarily, which is not their role, right? They don't have to be the innovators. They have to be a person who is uh, responsible and, and reliable. Um, so somehow I landed into these technical pieces, and I started blogging. I started writing about technology because I was a little bit getting too far away from my engineering side um, because I was primarily doing business consulting. And then while doing blogging, I got to the point of um, load management. So primarily like smart grids, how are smart grids working? And I think that was actually the point when I started thinking about what is, how is the smart grid working? Everyone talks about, but actually nothing really happens and it's really, really slow development. And somehow this was the starting point of getting into also electric vehicles. And interestingly, there was one specific situation where I met a utility, uh, it's a Dutch company, but actually it was a workshop in in Germany where somehow I asked a question, what will you do when you have a lot of Tesla vehicles in your grid? Like how are you going to manage it? And they they said, well, we don't have a problem. We just have one Tesla vehicle right now. And that was like eight years ago. So yeah. <laughs> I like, well, what, what if? Like, what, what, will you, what will you do in case you have like hundreds of them? Well, we just will turn them off, like similar to how we operate heat pumps. If if there's too much going on, we just turn off the heat pumps. And yeah, then that, that's how we will manage a grid. I will go, was going through this in my process. I like, you can't just turn off an EV charger. Like, people need to go to work. They, they need to go to the airport. Their fleet's behind it. And that was a point where I actually said something is going on.
0: As this industry continues to blossom, I'm guessing that you're thinking, okay, there's nobody that's really managing how these EV charging you know, units are going to work.
1: To be honest, it took me a while. It took me a while primarily because I was in my comfort zone. I, I was for a big consulting company. I Actually, I like my colleagues. So the point of that question and the point to the, where I decided to build the company, or actually, let's say, started working full-time of the company, was something around six months. And during these six months, I did everything from, do I actually should, should I quit my job or not? Like, should I actually leave my job and actually build a company? And I never wanted to build a company before. Um, should I maybe join a company that works in that area and maybe just help them and, and work as a product manager? <laughs> and I think these six months um, were quite difficult. And then, when, then in August 20, 2018, actually, was when I left left PwC, I started working full time on it by myself. Did like some prototyping, some slides, start pitching to people, uh, and that was the beginning. But it actually took me six months to figure out. And even at that at that point, in August, the idea of of amp control was not what we do today. It was very different, much broader, not that specific. So we, I knew. EV charging, smart grids, I'm going to do something in there, but it was still not specific enough that I was able to pitch it really well or sell it to someone.
0: What was that final, okay, bleep or get off the pot moment uh, where you said, all right, fuck it, I'm going to go ahead and do this? <laughs>
1: I remember I was at the airport. Um, my, my main project was in – my main consulting project was in Cologne, um, which is like in the west side of Germany, And I was living in Berlin. So every Monday I was flying 6.30 in the morning. So I had to wake up every Monday for like three years, 4.30 in the morning. (laughs) Uh, Fly over, which is not, it's a short flight, like um, one hour. I was in the office at 9.30 in the morning. Um, And then Thursday I was flying back. So every Thursday I had problems with delays. Uh, There was a snowstorm. Uh, Lufthansa had problems, whatever. And then there was this one Thursday where I already knew that I wanted to do something else. And... My brother, who was also living in Berlin, said, "Hey, we're going for, for drinks later. Are you gonna Are you gonna join?" And my flight just got delayed by another hour, and I knew I'm not gonna be there before 10 p.m. So I was like, "Man, I really don't want to do something else." And I, I, this moment was so difficult, and I really didn't like it, that I had a conversation with with my brother, and then talked about, "Oh, should I quit should I not quit?" And then he basically just said, "Like, just quit. Like, just you you really want to quit?" And then well, that was the moment when I decided, okay, actually, I I think I need to quit.
0: Is This your big brother or younger brother? Twin brother. He's your twin. <laughs> this is your yes. twin brother. <laughs> and he had his own company already, so. He <laughs> needs- <laughs> oh, really? So <laughs> yeah. your twin brother, who was and so is that. And, and look, I've I've been around twins, and so you know they talk about the you know kind of like the way y'all feel and the emotions are all the same. So did he know what you were going through and was like, look, if I can do it, being basically another version of you, you can do it. Well, he knew that
1: I liked my job, but he also knew that I looked so stressed. I probably got 10 years older within these like three years or two years of, of working consulting company. And I was always gone. I lived in Berlin, but I was like four days a week somewhere else. And I he knew that it's like, I didn't like that piece. Like I didn't like it, but I also had so many ideas. He, he knew like every Saturday and Sunday, even though I didn't have to work, I woke up early in the morning, I went to a coffee place, I started blogging, I started researching uh, I started coding again, and he knew I was doing this all on the side. And he said, like, "That's your passion. Like, just do that. Like, you you're gonna love it. It's fun. You don't need this job right now. You have enough capital right now. Just just try it out. And if it doesn't work, everyone's gonna take you back." Um, and and he just it, it came to a rational decision at the end. I'm a I'm a super rational. I'm so German in that in that sense. I'm so rational that I could not make this decision without thinking it through like 50 times.
0: What was the one piece of advice that he's given you throughout this four-year odyssey that has been the most helpful? I think you can always go back.
1: And that age, when you're maybe around like late twenties, early thirties—I was in my late my twenties—if if you have if you have started your career somehow, you worked somewhere at a bank, consulting company, utility company, and you've done like your two-three years and you want to try something out, if it, if it doesn't work after one year, it's part of your resume. You can just show it, especially today. It's, you can show it, and there's zero risk. There's obviously a risk of losing a little bit of money, losing a little bit of your savings, but you're still young, so you can always make your savings. And I think that that was basically what he says. Like, If you do it, if, if you screw up, and you lose all your money, and uh, you just get a, get a job, probably the company will just take you back because... It's so inspiring that you actually went for it, um, and you know so much from 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 the industry. They will probably just hire you back, uh, and and if not them, then someone else. So, so that, that was a really good advice.
0: Fits amazing advice. So why not stay in Germany? What made you decide uh, if you were going to start this thing up? What made you decide to do it in uh, United States?
1: I love US so much. No,
0: <laughs> good reason. That's good
1: reason. <laughs> no, actually, actually, I mean, I, I knew the US. I was uh, I was just here for vacation. Like I think. years before that but um i started in berlin we i didn't have funding right so i i didn't know about vcs about how building companies i just started building prototypes i loved like coding and um pitching i went to conferences in vienna in, in germany and then i applied for several early stage investors like similar to what you would let's say have yc i applied for uh, for things like Techstars, Angel which was really big and some some European ones that had like European funding. And then my first the first one who got back was something which is um, very big in, in Europe which has a lot of European uh, funding from, from state uh, and this focus on energy and we, really we had already conversations and then suddenly Angelpad got back So Angel is an early stage fund um, in US and they take every year around about 10 to 15 companies in their batch. It's not energy focused. It's literally everything from Postmates was was one company. Um, and and they basically so that managing partner, partner, um, he was so different than any other VC I met because I only met European VCs who, again, very rational, they have certain processes. And he, he's early stage. The only thing he cares about is the founder because he knows we are all early stage, we all have no customers, we all have no revenue. And he that I, I had five minutes to pitch to him uh, and then another five minutes for Q&A and that's literally the only 10 minutes that I had with him. And based on this, he he wanted to make a decision on whether they invest in us or not. On me, I was still, still sort of on at this point. So um, yes, yeah, so I, I pitched, I did my three slides. Uh, he liked it a lot. He never did an energy investment, but he really, really liked how, how I think and he loved my background. He loved my story uh, about how I started it. But he also knew that if someone's if someone's gonna be successful, I'm probably gonna be the person who's not gonna give up so quickly, just because I I was totally into it. Um, again, he probably didn't really understand what I'm doing because he's not from energy market necessarily, but he that was inspiring for him. So he, he decided to invest. I came to New York for three three month program. Um, I met my girlfriend, and I then decided why why not stay in New York? Like it's a one time in a life a situation that you can actually live in New York without worrying about something else um, and why not doing it. And then I just made the step.
0: What was the biggest difference from the way you formulated amp control? And is that what you came up with the name when you first pitched it uh, back in 2018, when you put it on those three slides versus what we know amp control to be now?
1: Uh, Not at all. So I think the first name we had was uh, charging ledger. So it was, Super! Cool. I couldn't even explain it today. I think it was uh, something where we use blockchain to connect utilities with each other and create like a virtual market network, where we can distribute flexible load across utilities and energy suppliers um, in a market. And the idea worked, or could work potentially really, really well, especially where you have um, a deregulated market, it means you have several utilities and energy suppliers in the same, in the same city, for example, that want to access. EV charges and want to bid on certain flexibility. And flexibility is all, it's still what we talk about today, right? Flexi- flexibility or flexible load. So the, the actual situation that a vehicle is charging over one hour, but it could actually also charge over eight hours because it doesn't leave earlier. So that flexibility was still there in my idea, the, the fundamental concept of, of a company. Um, but what we then found out is, is several points. First of all, that utilities are... The company who operates the grid. They're, they're not necessarily the company that has a problem of high costs of delays of electrification. They're, I think most utilities today are pro-electrification. There's a big business case behind them. But the first companies that actually had problems um, were actually the operators of charging stations. And then over the time, it took actually several steps um, to the point that we now ended up on the fleet side, like fleet electrification, helping fleet operators to do energy management on time departure and, um, and reliable charging. But it took really several steps to the point that we actually understood that this is where what we know and our technology has a huge, the biggest impact. Um, but in between, there was literally everything from smart grid applications on a very, very big scale to uh, we were looking into residential charging, we were looking into public charging, we were building an API-based business where we worked with charging management systems, to now at the end that we actually have a full end-to-end software system for fleet electrification. And this was a really long transition and probably we pivoted 20, 30 times in small steps.
0: Was there ever a moment where you were up against a wall, COVID notwithstanding, where you had doubt as to whether or not this thing was going to make it?
1: Oh, there was certainly times where I was frustrated and and just exhausted. I think the, one of the biggest moments was indeed uh, when COVID started. I moved to New York before COVID, so I still had like one and a half years of New York pre-COVID times. So I, I knew how New York is, <laughs> and but I but then obviously in, in during the pandemic, it was at, at, the, at the time where we actually started fundraising, and I had investor meetings set up. I was in San Francisco and. Um, and they were like the first three cases, and like meetings were cancelled, and we were like slowly running out of money. And um, and I think every company had that situation. I think that was probably the toughest situation. Um, I think we always have like every every phase where some th- something tough about finding the right people, um, finding the right market approach, competing, um, pivoting again. I think uh, everything is tough. I think, but this specific moment about Covid happens. We we're still figuring our our product. It was like 2020, right? So we were not not at like three years uh, earlier than today. So we still were not super 100% focused about on, on fleets. Um, the market was super early still, like three years ago was was a big difference to what we have today, uh, and that was really difficult. But and, and then we made it. Um, we we went we went over it. We we got the right investors, and then step by step we added a few people, added a few customers, and. I think that gave us the confidence that we were able to make this growth, even though it's quite difficult. Even though the energy market was not exciting for VCs four years ago, it was literally the most unattractive market for most companies. It's highly regulated, it's super complicated. The growth all depends on investments from the state and from from federal. Um, but as we are still there with all the with a few other companies that also made made all that that way, and I think everyone who still is alive today and has, has customers and has a product, uh, should be very proud of, of themselves.
0: What did the Inflation Reduction Act do for your business? Today, we
1: see companies electrifying vehicles that typically would have waited maybe another two years. And what this means is doesn't mean they necessarily have massive scale. Like they don't buy 100 trucks, but they buy the first ones, they buy the first buses, they buy the first school buses. And that creates a market much more accelerated in a time where everything is slowing down. So if you look at the world economy, and I'm I'm really not an expert in world economy, but obviously everyone is a little bit worried about the stock market. Everyone is a little bit worried about sales, consumer goods, especially. It's very tough to right now build a startup on the consumer market or even app store market. But if you look at the energy market and specifically recharging market, I wouldn't say it's the opposite. It's obviously it could always be better. What we definitely don't see is slowing down, we see seen an accelerating, and we see um, more and more people being excited. And it's not because there's suddenly money and now people do something, it's literally because they already want to do something, they already have strategies, they already have plans, because that's what they did the last four years, but suddenly there's actually capital so they can start funding these programs. And I think this is a really big difference, especially on the fleet sector. On uh, the fleet sector where you have large investments, higher risks, especially in times of where economy is maybe not perfect. Uh, this these decisions that were made by the government government were, were just really impactful.
0: Give me a use case and tell me exactly why they need Joaquim Losi and the folks over at Amp Control in their life and in their business.
1: So I think I think if you if you operate a fleet or if you work with fleet operators and they will you plan to electrify buses, trucks or cars. the the first thing you need to make sure is that your charging stations work. You need to be able to avoid three problems. So the first one is a high charter downtime. If you look at the charger today in public charging, they have maybe an uptime of 70 to 80%. If you have an uptime of 70 to 80% on your fleet charger, you will probably screw up your entire operation because that means your vehicle cannot charge. You have to take vehicles outside because right now the charger doesn't work. Uh, or you just have delays of vehicles. So the first thing you have to make sure, how can I increase the uptime? The second part, uh, the second problem that you will face is your energy tariff is not one price every time of the day, and it has a lot of influencing factors, which could be if you charge very fast, even though you don't need to charge very fast, it might cost you much more. Uh, If you charge at the wrong time of the day, it will cost you more. And if you look at your total cost of operations of a vehicle, fueling cost probably is top two, or maybe in some cases, top one. So, it is really impactful on your total cost of ownership. And the third one, if you talk to your actual fleet operator and and mechanics and and ground staff, they want to see both things, right? They want to see your vehicle. So, how ready is a vehicle? Does it have problems? Is it plugged in? And they want to see the the charger. So, you need a, a combined view of both things. So, all these problems are, are problems that we work on. Uh, so, when companies work with us, they get a software that can connect to chargers, to vehicles, to pricing information, even to scheduling information in case you have, let's say, transit buses and you have certain schedules, on-time departure. And then our system not only monitors and sends you alerts if something goes wrong, but it can also optimize the price optimization, the on-time departure, anything that you need to optimize to make sure that your vehicles are on time and most cost-efficiently charged during the night, for example. And that's what we do all day. We don't work necessarily on public charging. We don't work on residential charging. We really just work on the fleet charging use cases. And that's that's exactly where our team created really an exceptional knowledge. uh, And also our product was really customized for that fleet use case.
0: You guys got webinars out there. You're doing educational pieces out there to educate the f- customers and what have you. What needs to be done to educate the Tom, Dick, and Hanks and the Sallys and the, you know, Josephinas out there? <laughs> we know what to eat. Look, when we get out to this event in, in a few weeks, I can't wait to meet you guys and, and meet the team and, like you said, meet everybody and, and and talk shop. But how do we take what we learned from that event and get it out to, to the public?
1: Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, I think... First of all, I think people have to understand EVs are not only about speed and and batteries. I think um, the exciting piece about EV charging is the technology, everything from from sensors to the charging stations to software systems. I think most of my friends have no idea what M control does because it's nothing that you know from anything else. Like it's energy management through the cloud system is so abstract um it's like me asking what what how does Verizon manage their IT systems I have zero idea how they do it like it's not never worked on this so even though it's such an exciting area for for you Fred and me I think it's it would be great to bring people closer to the idea of how energy works how EV charging works why is it so complicated like, why do actually the government has to spend so much money on this? Because I'm sure like most people support it, but still there are probably some people who were questioning the idea of spending so much money into electrification and make, making them understand why it's a tough problem of solving the installation of chargers, finding the right sites, simulating sites, um, connecting chargers and vehicles at the same time with this body 4G network, um, all this is so tough, um, but it's really just known amongst a small p- group of people. Once you go outside of these small group of peoples, like people who code for EV Charging Summit, people never heard of it. And I think we all don't have to understand everything, but I think from time to time to bring them a little bit, I would love to see New York Times or, 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 or similar magazines to, to show a little bit more technology behind how to electrify? Actually, what's behind EV charging? What's behind connecting the EV chargers and connected uh, chargers at the same time? That's actually so insightful. And once someone understands what we're doing, if I'm at a party, I constantly talk about it because <laughs> that's mostly what I'm, what I know. Um, once they understand, they're actually so impressed on what you could actually do that they actually just want to join a similar company. And I think that's what we need. We need people to get so excited about these complicated pieces. So that we get more people joining it, more people researching, and more people building companies.
0: Sounds like a next my, my next podcast series. So we will definitely uh, we will definitely <laughs> reconvene. Uh, last but certainly not least, look, you are a global citizen. Uh, you've been all around the world. Have you been to Vegas before?
1: It was actually my very first spot where i arrived in Yes, <laughs> I it was. Which is not necessarily good uh, because it's not representing the yes. <laughs> but it was 2014-ish or, or earlier, I think, uh, when I came with first time as tourists and we did a trip through Nevada, uh, Arizona, Utah, and so on, all the national parks. We had, we had an amazing time. We went to Route 1 to San Francisco and so on. So it was one of the best, best trips I did. But I arrived with jet lag, my first transatlantic flight. I was destroyed, uh, and I arrived and I fell asleep at the airport while waiting for my brother with, with my with my dad, and uh, ch- try to survive three days of Las Vegas with jet lag. Uh, that's certainly not how you enjoy Las Vegas because you certainly have to have a lot of energy. <laughs> is this your twin brother? That's <laughs> my twin brother. He was he was in SF. We we
0: met in, in in Las Vegas. Yeah. Okay. And so is your brother still here in the United States? He is in New York right now. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So then you have, okay. So it's been almost a decade then, is what you're saying, since you've been no, to Vegas. So I, I went
1: again. I okay. went again. I missed that. I, I went again, I think, on a conference last year. I believe last year. Must not have been that much I, fun. <laughs> it was post COVID. So it was so quiet. And I think okay. this is going to be my first conference post COVID
0: yeah. with, with more energy, more people. And I'm really excited about it. Real quick, tell the folks at home a little bit about where they can find you on LinkedIn and where they can find the website. So you can always find me on LinkedIn.
1: Uh, probably the best way is just Google Joachim Lowe's on LinkedIn. You'll probably find my LinkedIn somewhere. The best way to get on the website, ampcontrol.io. Uh, that's also where you find a link to our LinkedIn um, and just follow us. We have tons of blog articles. I think more or less one per week we are, we are writing. So every one of the team is writing a little bit. And then some webinars, quite exciting. We actually have an upcoming uh, Fireside Fies- chat tomorrow with uh, Revel, uh, one of the founders. Uh, very exciting piece. And then I think next week or week after, we have a really interesting one about OCPP and smart charging. So if you don't know what OCPP and smart charging, and charging is, you should definitely join. I think also very, very exciting.
0: Thank you so much for that, Mr. Joaquin So You can catch all of the Power Connect episodes over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and then, of course, over at the website, thepowerconnect.net. And if you listen to us over on Apple, podcast. Leaves a five-star rating, helps with the algorithm. Listen to the podcast. You will be glad you did. If you want to know more about the show, if you'd like to be a sponsor, if you'd like to be a guest, go to thepowerconnect.net, go to the contact form, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn, as well as email fred at thepowerconnect.net. Don't forget John Duran, plug in Stations Online. He's joining us on Thursday. And then, of course, we've got a slew of guests from the EV Charging Summit Series coming up over these next couple weeks, leading to the big event in Las Vegas, March 29th through the 31st. That's going to do it for the Power Connect podcast. Thank you to all the listeners, guests, audience. Without you doing what you do, we couldn't do what we do. This has been the Power Connect podcast connecting the energy transition one conversation at a time.
1: Wake up all the builders. Time to build a
0: new land. I know we could do it if we all lend a hand. The only thing we have to